0: This podcast is sponsored by Uncana, Trusted Natural Solutions. Uncana is a leading voice of advocacy for CBD in the veteran LEO and federal communities. Veteran-owned and operated, the Uncana team is actively fighting for DoD access to CBD with political pressure, community support, and a simple message. Hashtag op Natural. Uncana is vertically integrated with industry leaders from seed to sell, supplying premium small batch products to America's best. Use code MENTORS4MIL at checkout at PUNCANA.COM to receive your amazing discount. Read the Mentors for Military disclaimer at MentorsForMilitary.com slash disclaimer. At Mentors for Military, we decided that we wanted to help veteran-owned businesses, and that's why we created Veteran-Owned U.S., You can visit it at VeteranOwnedUS.com. Looking for a veteran business to support? Shop there. If you're a veteran owned business and you want to list with us, join up by clicking the join up tab. Veteran Owned US at VeteranOwnedUS.com. This is the Mentors for Military podcast. Welcome to the Mentors for Military Podcast. I'm Robert, and joining with me is a bunch of co-hosts that you guys probably haven't met before, and we're coming here from lovely Newton, Georgia, in, in 15 Perry Street. Uh, we'd like to give a big shout out to those guys for giving us their space and stuff to use the studio for this uh, weekend. And uh, so what I'm going to do before I introduce our guest, I'm going to go kind of around this way and have each of you state who you are, because a lot of people are probably going to be um, hearing this or watching this and going, okay, I, I don't know these people, so let me go ahead and get used to it. So,
1: so I'm Don Fox, and I'm retired uh, U.S. Army.
0: Paul Martinez,
2: former Army Ranger.
3: AJ, active duty security forces, Air Force. I'm Nikki. I'm retired Navy.
2: I'm Scott Johnson. I'm from uh, the British Army.
0: Okay. We'd also like to thank our sponsors, uh, which is uh, Uncana primarily. And Uncana, of course, if you guys haven't checked those uh, people out, please do. They've got great products. You can use the code mentors. the number four M-I-L. And uh, you can use their products and stuff using that code, which gives you a 20% discount. Normally reserved for LEOS and veterans, and uh, you'd have to get verified and everything else. But for mentors, the number four MIO, you get 20% every day for their products. Good stuff, seed to sell. They do uh, great work in terms of CGMP, ISO 9001, FDA. Um, so good, good products. Check that out. Tactical Brewing has really uh, upped the game uh, this weekend, and we really appreciate the support that they provided us as well. If you haven't checked them out, do so in Orlando, Florida, Tactical Brewing Company, and uh, veteran-owned space, and we really appreciate that. So without further ado, I want to get into uh, today's guest, and Josh and I have actually met, we've known each other now for about three and a half months or so, I guess it was, it was around October time. Six, frame.
4: six, Robert, six. No, don't it wasn't. Ta- don't take that three and a half from me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Josh and his wife Nicole and my wife, uh, we were all t- were together at at uh, I don't know at, at an offsite or something that we ended up doing together. And in, in, right. in that. Um, we got a, really a good bond. It turned out his wife was from the same location. Unfortunately, Josh is a Florida State fan, so we'll, we won't have oh, that against him. I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at any rate, uh, <coughs> I want to get into a little bit of your background, because I think with what's going on in today's society, there's so many different things. Um, and we'll get into mm-hmm. a little bit of that, and then we're going to jump into what I told you I wanted to talk about, too, and, and um, in cybersecurity and those types of things as well. But I want to start at the very beginning because I'm quite frankly, I, I want to know how uh, you know you tie into Tallahassee and to Florida and all of that kind of good stuff and what you know how that all began and where it is that you came in from the military because I don't even know this part of the story.
4: Yeah, so um, born and raised in Tallahassee. Um, Right, so that's how I became a Seminoles fan. Either you're a Seminoles fan in Tallahassee, or you kind of get ostracized down to the bad part of Florida, which is kind of like Central Florida, right around Gainesville. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, born and raised there. Uh, really, you know, both my parents were very you know blue collar. My dad was, you know, my dad was an Army guy, uh, National Guard guy. Um, you know, grew up on a dirt road. Like I, like my, you know, we were not poor by any means. Great play. Yeah, yeah, you know, we, we we were not poor by any means, but you know, when you did not go eat at restaurants uh, every week, like you went to a restaurant on your birthday, and that was about it. And, yeah. you know, that restaurant was typically, you know, you got to pick like Sonny's Barbecue or the Huddle House. Yeah, uh, or, so. or or it could be Scott's favorite, which Denny's. is Denny's or uh, Denny's, right? Oh yeah, I everybody
2: in America eats in Denny's. Yeah, yeah
4: Denny's, you know, I have like a national no. restaurant. Like growing up, you know, my like, my mom would be like, you know, I, like Olive Garden was a fancy a fancy restaurant, oh, you know, yeah. growing up for me. So, red Lobster. Um, oh, yeah. Dude, red Lobster was out of the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those biscuits? <laughs> yeah. <pretty> um, <laughs> so, you know, I kind of uh, came into the Army from, from there. Um, you know, went through uh, Memphis and Jacksonville and uh, kind of wound up at Fort Leonard Wood, uh, Missouri, in November. First time ever seeing snow. Fort Leonard Wood, um, really? Yeah. yeah. What was Fort your MOS then? Where did you end up going into initially? So I I I've, I've been a counter-intel guy. I uh, didn't you know my, that was my Fort career. Leonard Wood. Why
0: did I not know that? I
4: mean, you go to Fort Jackson or Fort Leonard Wood if you're an Intel nerd. Um, okay. I just drew Leonard Wood. Okay. You know, however they however they do that. That's not so, where the AIT
0: is at though.
4: No. no, so the AIT for for all of us is is at Fort Huachuca. Okay. That, um, in now Arizona. That makes sense. It's about an hour south so of So the Tucson.
0: basic you go first to either Fort Jackson or
4: Yeah, or okay. Fort Leonard Wood. Yeah, there's no Oset for for Intel guys. Yeah. Um, they want to get us out of there as soon army as they guys. can.
0: Get, you know, like OS, everybody goes, Oh, right. But yeah, you're yeah.
4: not for Not for us nerds. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, so yeah. So the army actually wasn't my first choice. Um, my, my dad being an army guy tried to talk me into joining the air force.
5: Yeah.
4: Actually, oh, my man. dad was like,
0: that's like two already. Go <laughs> ahead.
4: <laughs> my, you know, my dad was like, it's better quality of
0: life. Well, my yes. mother would say the you same know. thing. Better barracks. Yes. Better housing. You know, my dad better was like, BX. Everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
4: And so my dad it's was better, like... period. Do not... <laughs> <laughs> I was. You know, my dad was like, "You don't be an army guy. And I was like, no, I want to be an army guy. Um, he's, you know, he's hard-headed. I'm 18 years old. I know everything. I know infinitely more than him. Um, you know, I was like, no, I want to be an army guy. And my dad's like, don't be an army guy. So I went to... Uh, went to see the army recruiter. He was like, eh, you know, take the ASVAB, all that, all that jazz. And so came back, you know, scored decent on the ASVAB. And so my dad was like, Oh, right, Hey, what are you, what are you thinking? I was like, I want to be 11 Bravo. Cause you know, that, that was one of the, one of the MOS's that he had, he had two. And uh, I was like, I want to be 11 Bravo. My dad's like, again, I need you to listen to me. He was like, do not be an infantry guy. He was like, get something that you can, you know, if you decide to get out after a couple of years, you can really market yourself, you know, do something with computers, do something with signal, do something, you know, that, you know, you get a skill. Sure. And so again, going back to that, you know, not, not listening. I was like, I want to be an MP. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> was like, again, you, for once in your life, listen to what I'm telling you. And so he was like, you need to do something along those lines. Um, so then, you know, then my girlfriend, now my wife, Nicole's sister, was an interrogator in the army. Really? Yeah. And I so, didn't know that. yep. And so she told me, she was like, hey, she goes, you know, they have this job. You get to wear civilian clothes. And I was like, perfect. I can be in the army, but kind of not in the army. Yes, that's for me. So I go do everything i get to Meps, and they're like what's that scar on your chest i was like oh i had open heart surgery when i was a kid and they were like yeah we're not gonna let you in the army oh wow so that was my initial like that was a long three hour you know three hour drive back from jackson you went to, to the, the Meps me. and
0: everything at this point then yeah oh okay
4: my recruiter had told me have you ever had any surgeries? i was like, well, I had open heart surgery, and he was like, let me see the scars. So him and like the station commander had me take my shirt off. They look at the scar, like they're not going to notice that, oh. right? And so, <laughs> so I get the maps, no, and they're they like, didn't. yeah, I get the maps, and they're like, oh yeah, bro, you can't be in the army. Like, no, get out of yeah, here. Yeah. Um, so that was my initial kind of re- you know rejection um, from, from the military. And so I decided to enroll in community college. I was like, you know what? Graduate high school. Like, I'll go to community college for a couple of years, get yeah. my associates, then go on to a university and get, my, ba- get my bachelor's. So the first year went really well. Um, you know, registered early. So I got the good classes. Didn't have to be, you know, didn't start classes till like 10, 1030 in the morning. And when That's was kind it? Of right what, my what year? So this was 95. Okay. Um, so this is 95. Mm-hmm. Right. So register early was good. Went to class like I'm not doing anything, not going out with friends or anything during the week. I Study nights, everything. Right. So the next year rolled around. I registered late for classes and I really think that like that was my downfall um, because all those like 1030, 11 o'clock classes were gone. It was like, oh, you want 730 Algebra 2, 730 mm-hmm. Calculus. OK. You're like, dude, I don't <laughs> I wouldn't do it at 730 in the morning then. Yeah. Um, so who does? Right. Yeah. So kind of started dropping some classes, stopped going to class, um, realized, started going out. was like, Hey man, it's uh, you know, it's half price Wednesdays. Let's, uh, you know, let's go out during the week. It's just one night. It's fine. Right. So that became every night. And then eventually, you know, a couple of years later, found myself like, I don't have any more money. Mom and dad were like, we're not paying for you to party, mm. you know? Um, you 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 need to figure your life out this is when this is when you make adult decisions and make adult choices right um so went back to the recruiter and you know again they were like you're gonna have to get your paperwork and a doc to sign off saying that you know you're not going to die on us so they were like you need your first it was like you know you you need your original records from your surgery i was like bro, that was in 1983 like pretty sure that doctor's dead
0: yeah Uh, yeah Yeah.
4: (laughs) and back then you know open heart surgery was not what it is today no you know it's basically it's almost very invasive yeah yeah it's almost an outpatient procedure today you know i spent a week in icu after in 1983. um you know they they weren't screening blood for you know hiv back then they knew nothing um so i really lucked out and uh so you know said no this is what i want to do like i have to do something i recognize that I can't work minimum wage jobs the rest of my life. I just, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Um, and so went back, you know, got got all the paperwork, got all the waivers. Um, I was going
0: to say, was this a waiver process that they Yeah, had? it yeah. was a
4: waiver process. Like and I had to get all the,
0: the way a, up to USAREC and, and uh, the, yep. whatever MEPS command. Yeah.
4: Yep. And IMD had to, get, I had to get a letter from my congressman. Really? Um, yeah. Saying, please approve the waiver. Oh, wow. Like that's what level it was at. And that's how bad, that's how bad I wanted in, um, you know, it was crazy because it wasn't, I wanted to join the army because of, you know, because of patriotism or, you know, sense of duty or anything like that. That would make for a great story, but that wasn't it. Like I was just tired of working minimum wage jobs and I figured, you know, the army at least give me a $3. skill. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, people who joined the army for, you know, patriotism and were like, good on you. Like I didn't do it. Um, so, but yeah. So, you know, finally got approved. They said, yep, you're good went to basic and uh again saw snow for the first time froze during basic i was so excited to be going to southern arizona when i graduated at the end of january 98 and then i get to southern arizona and realize for what you could sit to like 5300 feet and there's like two feet of snow on the ground when i get there and i just kind of nice. like <sighs> well, what did your
0: florida board just do yeah so yeah. well you arrived there and everything how long was your uh, ait then
4: um so that was rather those were long right those schools well that school was only four months um okay. i decided to make it a little bit longer and uh <laughs> and recycle <What>? <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> enjoyed it so much
4: yeah you know what hey you know, you're in southern arizona make the most of it um so not gonna see much know, snow
2: in florida again
4: kind of going back to you know back to my childhood i've always had a problem with authority yeah um even if I want to do something, I'm probably going to go do it anyway. But as soon as you tell me to do it, I'm not going to do it just based on sheer principle. Right. Um, so you know, my, uh, my drill sergeant and I in AIT, we didn't see eye to eye on how I should do things. So, uh, so I spent some extra time
0: there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Decided to take the longer course. So, um, you went counterintelligence. Mm -hmm. So for people who are, may not be even familiar with what that is, Help us understand what a counterintelligence person does, so, and what your your training entails. So the training,
4: like, so your you know your initial uh, entry training entails four months out of Fort Huachuca, where you become uh, a, what they call a badge and credentials counterintelligence uh, agent. So really, counterintelligence—the easiest way to put it—is you know think about what our human intelligence guys do. We try and find out and you know shape. Uh, here's what the enemy, you know the. This attempt looks like um, for a counter intel guy. We're trying to keep the bad guys, human guys, from collecting on us. Yeah, I don't know if that—that's probably no, the no, easiest no, that, way that, to put it. Yeah, that that makes sense. You know, we're trying to protect our secrets um, and you know keep the keep the enemy from getting those. Yeah,
0: keep the Russians out of the uh, politics and everything. Oh
4: yeah, that probably—that's that, a separate podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, training was four months. After you left there, where did you end up going? So
4: it was uh I wound up at Fort Bragg. Um you know, they come out and they're calling out Was orders. that my
0: choice or they just kind of like called no, your number? No, and- I was a,
4: I was an E2. Like there was no like you you had no choices um, yeah. at all in the matter. So it came out and they were calling out all these duty stations um you know, so, you know, drill sergeant has everybody, he's like, all right, I got everybody's orders for, you know, for your first duty station. He's calling out and my friends are going to Germany. They're going to Fort Meade, you know, surveying clothes. Like one of my buddies went to Panama. Um, oh, cause you know, Clayton and Sherman were still open at the time. Um, and so this is, uh, early fall 98. Um, right. So this still open. I'm like, yeah, man, Panama, you know, Germany, like, sounds awesome. You know, he calls my name. He's like, yeah, you're going to Fort Bragg. Mm-hmm. I was like, that makes me sad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I tell but you, you had never been to Fort. You would never been to North Carolina or anything, because
4: no. Like I had been backpacking to the mountains, like you know, as a kid, something yeah, like yeah. that. But, but you know, never been to Fort Bragg or, right. or, or Fayetteville, um, the, the sprawling metropolis. But I tell you though, in hindsight, the best thing that ever happened to me was going to Fort Bragg as a private. Why? Because what? you learn how to be a Joe like you learn how to be a soldier before you learn how to be your MOS like the best thing was walking around Fort Bragg as a private like there was no there was no safety at all anywhere um you know you you just you learn how the army worked Mm-hmm. Um, you know, down down at that that company and battalion level.
0: Were you in the eighty second division? No, no, no. So wh- um, where did you end up going into that? That's so I,
4: I wound up at five two five at my brigade. Um, so it was basically the eighteenth airborne corps support brigade. So any uh, any unit in eighteenth airborne corps, if they yeah. needed they needed MI guys, You guys, were then we assigned. Yo, yeah, we we were um, attached to them.
0: Attached. Okay, that's what I meant. Yeah.
4: So, you know that I tell you though, you know I got to do a lot of great things. Um, I got to meet a lot of phenomenal people, and, you know, there was a few people – there was a lot of people, but, you know, there was a few people there that set me up for success for the rest of my career. Um, you know, How so? Because they were hard. Because uh, they were hard on me. NCOs? And so, yeah, no, platoon absolutely. Two sergeants like, and Yeah, team my, leaders, my yeah. platoon sergeant, um, like, he was the guy, like – he would, you would see his truck pull into the parking lot for PT formation and everybody would just, it would be like a collective sigh. Right. It's like, God, Whoa. I wish this guy, I wish this guy would take leave. Yeah. I wish this guy would go to a school, go TDY, like something. I yeah. wish this guy was not here.
0: Yeah.
4: Right. Because you knew it was just going to suck. Uh-huh. Um, but again, in hindsight is always 20, but looking back, you know, after, you know, years down the road, you're like, That was what I needed. That was the person I needed at the time I needed the most. Um, He was was, was a phenomenal NCO. Um, We had phenomenal warrant officers. Um, Yeah, it's just, Hmm. you know, I mean, and we did everything that you could do wrong as, you know, privates, right? So there's a group of us, and I still talk to a lot of them, you know, to this day, you know, straight from the bar to PT formation. Right, and
0: you just show up. He he knows nothing like reeking of alcohol on a four mile run or whatever. Yeah,
4: Yeah. and so you know you show up, and it wasn't it wasn't. Well, go ahead and take you down to the MP station. It was just looks like today's a run day. Yeah, and you were like,
0: man, man." you sweat that stuff out. And so
4: there was train tracks right behind our battalion and brigade area, so we would go run the train tracks. Oh, yeah. Run the train tracks while you're still drunk. Not a good time. (laughs) Trip and fall on the train tracks where the gravel's, you know, like size of softballs. Right, right. Not a good time. Not a good time. <laughs> so, those Good training,
0: though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I would have taken that over take, getting taken down to the MP station yeah, to yeah. something that would have been detrimental to, you know. Yeah, but getting on the water
0: report wouldn't have been a good thing. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Getting on the
4: water report would have been a good thing. But, yeah. you know, again, like, you, know, you hear a lot of people talk about how they were, in, you know, they were in the military and they just, you know, all their leaders were bad and all their NCOs were bad. I've I have been blessed in my career that the vast majority of my leadership has been phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Been phenomenal.
0: Well, that actually, like for me, I had a very similar situation where the I wouldn't say it was it wasn't the first platoon sergeant It was probably my second one um, that made such a major impact on me. And it's amazing how someone like that can be such a tremendous mentor that really set the tone for the rest of your career. At least I can say that for myself. I happen to be very fortunate to run into the right type of person at the right time you know, in my life that I needed that to kind of motivate me and get me going. You know? Yeah, for sure. Sounds I, like the same thing.
4: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've I, I found myself time and time again, you know, in situations, especially when, you know, I became a platoon sergeant, you know, what would he do? Like, how would how would he take a look at this situation? And, That's really cool. Yeah, and you know, not like everything he did wasn't perfect, um, but, you know, he, again, hindsight, like, you know, looking back, like, he was exactly who I needed when I needed it. I didn't realize it then you know
0: well but. of course not yeah <laughs> <laughs> so did you end up going to airborne school before or were, did you they end up sending you to airborne school at some point because I mean if you're 18 you know, so
4: it was then okay um, and so you know did that um, guys that I graduated AIT with after we we deployed to kosovo after the initial push um K, so k4 one alpha right so i'm a brand new private first class on my first deployment you know um feeling feeling pretty awesome and uh so we came back from that and guys were coming down orders for korea mm. going to 2id and you know, i was just like man i don't i don't want to go in to korea. your unit yeah and so you know guys were going to 2id um, i didn't want to go to 2id i didn't want to go to korea and so they turned around and, uh, so I, I called my branch manager cause I'd always been told very young, like nobody's going to take care of you better than you and take charge of your career. You know, the army is going to manage your career, how it sees fit, but yep. that may not be the best way. Yep. And so, you know, as a specialist, I picked up the phone and called my branch manager and was like, what do you have? Really? Yeah, absolutely. That's bold. I, How'd you get that number anyway? One of my warrants gave it to me. Really? Yeah. One of my warrants, um, Gave it to me and I uh, was like, warrant. here's your branch manager. He was a great warrant, And so he was like, here you go. Call the branch manager and ask him. And I called and asked, uh, you know, what, what do you have open? What's going on? And he said, I have Korea, 2ID, or Puerto Rico. And I was like i no go ahead and take Puerto Rico. And he was like, you're going to have to re enlist for it. I was like, you'll have it today. So I walked <laughs> straight up to the, to the retention NCO. I was like, I need to re enlist. He was like, all right, so let's take your paperwork. He's like, yeah, man, are you around next week? I was like, no, I was kind of like looking like now. Yeah, yeah. Um, dude, <laughs> I signed the papers, got my coffee cup and my pen, and, walked and found the fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And uh, probably about six months later, I was on my way, on my way to Puerto Rico. Three years there? So we did. Uh, so it was two years. Um, I was in Puerto Rico when they closed down U.S. Army South and moved everybody to San Antonio. Oh, um, so I was yeah, there. Yeah. I was there in Puerto Rico when they turned the lights off. Um, so, yeah, Port- Puerto Rico was a great time. Um, I had a had an single. Apartment. I was single, f- you know, for the first year I was there. Um, I had a great time. I had an apartment right, a condo right on the beach. Um, it was yeah. It was it was out of control. Um I spent I spent a lot of time in uh Central and South America. Uh hey. I lived in Honduras for yeah. 6 months. Um I was in Bolivia for 3, Ecuador for 3. Columbia. Like I had uh, what's that? Colombia? No, I never made it to Colombia. The closest I made it to Colombia was northern Ecuador, up in the uh Esmeraldas region. Okay. Um, way up north of Quito. <laughs> but uh Okay, so we're going to quiz you
0: here. Do you learn to speak Spanish
4: or you know, you type of so if, so that's a, it's, that's a funny story. So when I watch you could go through AIT, everybody's yeah. taken the, uh, the D-Lab because everybody wants to go to DLI, right? right. Everybody's like, yeah. I want to yeah. go to Monterey, California for yeah. a year yeah. on yeah. the government's dime. Yeah. Um, so I went and took the D-Lab. When I walked out of the D-Lab, I was like, they are going to reclass me into a cook because I'm the <laughs> dumbest person on the planet. <laughs> 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 I don't know if anybody, has anybody taken the D-Lab? I, I didn't, did you guys? No. No. So it's a yeah. made up language right so there's new you, it's not one you can study for and so the army was like no you're stupid you cannot learn a foreign language you are not going to go waste our money in Monterey um so I was like okay thanks I'll just go <laughs> go back over here and go to Fort Bragg um, with the rest of the nugs and so I get down to Puerto Rico and just through immersion yes. and then going to Honduras just through immersion you're you either learn it or you just struggle like you're gonna be on the struggle bus all you know every day, and so just do immersion um, I went back and actually took the DLPT and I was like one plus one plus I was pretty proud of that um, so, bad. so not enough you know not enough to get paid, but enough to turn around and you know tell the army be like your test sucks, I am smart <laughs> um, so it was uh so i i did learn to speak enough spanish like i could get by i could pick up like every third fourth word in the conversation i, I stayed
0: like two years in germany and learned enough to get to the train station in case i'm too drunk how to order the beers <laughs> ahead of time you know those types of things but yeah not related but but i mean there's a lot of uh, you know the english speaking people in puerto rico so it's not like you really had to struggle too much right no you did not have to struggle too much the, the, the thing was but in san juan it was really easy
4: um, you know, to get by with, with just English. If you went out of San Juan to the rest of the island, you know, then almost everybody speaks English. Um, but a lot of, a lot of folks don't want to, um, you know, and, and it was fine. I I appreciated that because it forced me to learn, Mm. um, you know, and I got out of San Juan, like every chance I could was, you know, get out of the city and get to the West side of the island, you know, the South side of the island, Mm. um, South, so it was a good time. Man. I had, I had a great time in Puerto Rico. After Puerto Rico, what happened? So they shut uh, U.S. Army South down, and they moved everybody to San Antonio, Texas. And
0: you you got moved as yeah a, as, I got as moved an element. A, okay. Yeah. Okay.
4: So they moved they they moved the entire company there um, of us, and you know I called Branch and said I really don't want to go to Texas. I don't want to go to San Antonio. Um, you know what do you have? And Branch is like sorry. You know, once you get there, your clock starts again. No, so way, you're gonna it's yeah, a new PCS. Beca- yeah, because they viewed it as a PCS. Oh. Um and so that wasn't the answer that I wanted to hear. No, no, I can't um, imagine. So <laughs>
0: by this time I'm gonna guess San Antonio or anything.
4: But. You know, we, we were in San Antonio for six months. Um it is a absolutely phenomenal city. Yeah. It's yes. the cost of living is not big city cost of living Right. when we were there. It's a, I mean, it's massive, but it still has a small-town feel to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really, really like San Antonio, um, but I didn't like it in the summer. Like, it was mm. excruciating. It, yeah. it, was, it was so hot. It was miserable. Um, so, again, like, I'm not, not excited to be stuck there for three years. Right. And uh, by this point, Nicole and I are married. And so, you know. So how did you?
0: Well, okay, maybe I shouldn't go into this, but how did you guys meet then <laughs> if you were in San Antonio? So,
4: Nicole and I met before I joined the Army. Um Oh, really? Yeah, we kind of did the the on again, off again oh, okay, uh right. thing for, you know, for a while. Yeah, um yeah, yeah. until I finally in, until I finally got my mind right and uh you know, realized that uh she she was the one. Um it took me a while to get there. Okay. Um, you know, not not because of her, but because of me. Yeah. Um So anyway, you get married. I don't want to give too emotional.
0: you get married. That's another podcast. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't I'd rather have her on when we do that. Yeah. But. So you end up getting married there and you're in San Antonio. So what, what ends up happening?
4: So we got married actually in Puerto Rico. So she came down to Puerto Rico and like, you know, it was like nine months later, we're like we're gone yeah. you know, to San Antonio. So the, uh, I don't know if it was the, MI my, in my core art major, the NSCOM start major, somebody was visiting us in San Antonio and said, I need people for this new thing called striker brigade in Alaska. And I love hunting and fishing. Yeah. I was like, sign me up. And I was you know, hey, me being me, I have to get my dig in. So I'm like, well, the branch manager said that I can't leave, you know, I have to stay here for three years. And, you know, the sergeant was like, I'll take care of that. Um, yeah. So my branch manager at the time, probably not a fan. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. And uh, so next thing you know, like we're on orders for Alaska. So, I mean, we haven't even finished unpacking boxes in San Antonio and they're like, you're going to Alaska, um, which it seemed like a really good idea
0: the airborne unit up there? Or? No, so
4: this is Striker Brigade okay. at Fairbanks. Okay. Um,
0: they weren't They weren't part of the airborne unit. This no, same. no.
4: It was a battalion down at Fort Rich in Anchorage. Oh, okay. That was the uh, the airborne unit. I would say it was like 4th Battalion out of 25th ID. Okay. Um, like, I knew there was I'm one up there. I just yeah. didn't know where. Yeah, yeah they're down in, uh, in Anchorage at Fort, okay. uh, Fort Richardson. Um, so, we get on the plane in San Antonio. It is... 85 degrees in November when we got off the plane that night in Fairbanks, yeah. it was negative 23. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> Hello, and Nicole is just looking at me like, "What have you done?" <laughs> oh, <laughs> he was not excited. <sighs> it was uh, it was brutal, um, and you know, spend uh, spend a lot of time there. I um, oh, spent a lot of time gone. Um, yeah. uh, you know, Iraq. Sixteen months in Iraq from there really? um, wow, that's a long time you know it it wasn't supposed to be 16 months yeah how that so we got our orders you're going to mosul for 12 months right standard your standard year long uh, you know big army deployment we did our 12 months in mosul literally the day we packed and sealed our our connexes like the mps were walking away they had just done the customs inspection and we get this message they're like hey all the e7s and above you need to go to the uh theater on i want to say it was mares was the was the big fob there at the airfield in mosul and uh hey brigade commander wants to talk to everybody all the e7s and above go so we all go over there and uh we're you know you, you walk in and you're like oh this is a you know hey good job you know you did, you know, yeah, you right, didn't go work, right. Right, yeah, all right. We're going home and it was no, go unpack your shit. You're going to Baghdad for four months. And a lot of, a lot of sad people. Um, I was one of them. It was, that one was tough. That yeah. one was really tough. We had our, well, avalan- psychologically,
0: you had already like,
4: oh did, yeah, you're done. You're so, like we had yeah. turned it, we had turned in ammo. Um, the striker brigade out of, uh, Louis had already replaced us. Like we'd already done our left seat, right seat rides. Like we, we, they had taken over as the BSO. Like we were done and we already had our Avon and Torch party was already back in Alaska. So we had like 250, 300 guys already on the ground in Alaska, you know, waiting to receive the main bodies. They had to pack their stuff and come back. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, the truly, truly tragic part of that is there were six or seven of those guys that had already got back to Alaska and home that had to come back, got killed in Baghdad. Um oh, man. and so that one was that that was probably as far as like that goes, like that was probably the hardest deployment that I've done. Um by far. Just I don't care who you are, sixteen consecutive that's a long time. Yeah. Like that is. is just that is a long, long time. Um and so this was, you know, oh five 06 the height of you know so it was the height of sectarian violence um you know baghdad was on fire um you know mosul was on fire like the you know the whole country was burning down and so like that one was really that one was really tough that was a hard deployment uh mm. mentally and you know physically because
0: man 16 months it's
4: a long time
0: yeah yeah it's a
4: long time even for the you know conventional units
0: You know, Spain, uh, staying up there three years
4: yeah, so, was soon, I, I, so I called my branch manager from Iraq, um, from Baghdad, oh, before I even got back. And I was like, you know, I said, hey, I said, I don't know what your plans are for me. I was like, but here's what I want to do. And so the branch manager was like, well, I was going to send you, I had you tagged for First Cav.
0: At Fort Hood. At Fort
4: Hood. And First Cav was literally in Baghdad with us. And I was like, hey, so check this out. It's like, I don't know if you're tracking. I don't know if you got the memo, but we've been here for 16 months. The last thing I want to do is go back and, you know, take a knee for six months right. and then come back for another year. Like, yes. like I can't do that. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's so branch was like, Oh, well, you know, I've you know, every, I can't please everybody, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, that's fine. Go, go not please someone else. Yeah. Um, how I need about, you to please me this
0: time. How about you and I switch? <laughs> yeah. How about you go?
4: Right, right, right. Um, And so like, and so in, in this deployment too. So our second daughter was born, um, while I was in, while I was in Iraq, Mm. um, you know, Nicole got pregnant while I was on R and R leave. And I was gonna be back in time, you know, for our second daughter being born, but then the extension pushed me past that point. So I didn't I didn't even meet my second daughter until she was like two months, two, two and a half months old. Wow, that's tough. Yeah, so it was it was just incredibly tough. It was incredibly tough on Nicole because she's dealing you know, I mean, one, she has her, you know, our oldest daughter, mm-hmm. they're two years apart, so she has a two year old on top of a newborn. Yeah. You know, and she's in Alaska.
0: All our family's in the southeast U.S. Right. And she's five months pregnant when you tell her the news you're not coming home. Right.
4: And, yeah, Yeah. it was that was not an easy conversation. That was not a fun conversation, Um, you know. And so all I knew that when I came back, when I was talking to Branch, I was either at that point, I was either getting out of the Army because I wasn't in death yet or I was getting out of the conventional army. Like, yeah. one of the
0: two things was happening. Um, You're an E7, so how many years did you have in? Like, about 10, 11 at this time? No, no, seven. Oh, okay. Uh, <coughs> man, I made seven and
4: seven. Yeah. Um, and only because, you know, only because we had two wars going on, not because I was anything special. Yeah. Um, but the board, the seven board was convened when I hit my seven-year mark. Um, I didn't have a really DA, good. I didn't even have a DA photo. Yeah, uh, that's because I was like, you know, I looked at it before we deployed. You were like, just that good. No, <laughs> I looked at it before we deployed. I was like, there's no way I'm going to get promoted to 7th that quick. Surprise. So I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. And then lo and behold, I get a phone call from my first start one morning. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm drinking coffee. He was like, why is the Army's newest, you know, first class not at work? I was like, what? He was like, yeah, you made it. I was like, hmm. Hmm. But no. Uh, Secondary not zone? that.
0: Yeah, it was first look. Secondary. Oh, like, wow. Seven and seven. You had to wait, like, about 12, 18 months before you pinned it? No,
4: I pinned probably within five. Wow, that's quick. Yeah, It was, was like, super crazy. And, again, like, I wasn't the only one. There was a lot of other guys that were making it. You know, a buddy of mine made Master Sergeant 11. Yeah. You know,
0: so, hey, man, they needed people for Iraq. So you're talking to this dude, and you're like, hey, I'm over it. I'm not going to First Cab. What happened? So, you
4: know, I I got the... uh, I got the righteous indignation, you know, about how hard their job was and everything. And I get it. Like, being the branch manager kind of sucks because nobody likes you because you can't please everybody. Um, You know, it's like having kids. Like, we have three daughters. If we can make two of them happy, like, we're winning. Like, we're good. It's a hell of a baton average, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, finally, you know, she comes back and she's like, hey, I have uh, a position at Fort Belvoir. It's a nominative position within U.S.A.C. that you can apply for. If you want, I was like, done. now Who do I need to call?
0: Who do I need to send what to? you know What do you need? Now, having been at 18th Airborne Corps, you knew a lot about USASAC while you were there. Um, or, or is this I like. Know. I mean, I knew about
4: USASAC. I didn't care.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like,
4: I, I didn't care. I had a lot of friends that were, you know, inside oh. um you know, that I bumped into in Iraq, you know, the various FOBs and stuff like that. And they are like, hey, what are you doing? You know, why are you. Why are you in the conventional unit or we like, you know, you need to come over here and live the good life Yeah, um, and everything. And I was special like,
0: operations command. If anybody's wondering, so, yeah. United States Army. And,
4: and so I jumped on that because was like, you, you got to apply for it. You're going to have to interview. I was like, done easy. Like, not a problem. He was like, well, if you don't make it, then, you know, you're going to come back and I'm going to say, it was like, we'll fall off that bridge when we get there. Um, it was like, I, absolutely. <laughs> And so I uh I went, you know, interviewed and uh and everything, you know, got hired. Yeah. And so we left Alaska, went to uh went to DC. Um so
0: uh, DC. Yeah.
4: Yeah, so I was at Fort Belvoir um right there in the D- in Northern Virginia DC. It's all the, uh, yeah. the same to me.
0: And what year was this now? This was like right around 2001 then, right? 2000. No, no. Oh, this was
4: yeah, this was January so by, that conversation happened before I left Baghdad. So that was like mid 06 I think so like yeah we were there by the like December 06 like we were in we were in DC.
0: What was the difference in the transition between being conventional to being in special operations for you and especially in your MOS? Um there there wasn't a lot of,
4: uh, there wasn't a lot of transition. I I would say probably the biggest part of it was all of a sudden I go from, I can't go to the gym and do PT by myself on the conventional side. And now, you know, on the, on the special operations side, you know, it's like, Hey man, like you gotta, you, you put that in your schedule, wherever it fits.
0: Mm -hmm.
4: Um, you know, you have just an incredible amount more of autonomy.
0: Yeah.
4: Um, you know, and, you don't have to go ask, you know, you don't have to get a mother may I for anything. So that kind of took a little bit of getting used to cause I was used to having to go, you know, ask for, Hey, can, you know, can we do this? I need to reserve this training area. I need to do, you know, this, I got to fill out this form, you know, for this, I, well, I can't go talk to the S one cause I don't have a pack slip. And they're like, dude, just go in there and talk to them. Like, well, what are you doing? Yeah. You know? And so I, I relate it back to, um, Morgan Freeman's character in Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. right? So when he gets out of prison, like he's in the grocery store, he's like, "I need to go to the bathroom." He's like, "You don't have to ask me to go to the bathroom; just go." Right? Mm-hmm. So that, thats kind of what it was like. It was yeah. kind of like getting out of prison. Um, that's it, sad. It, yeah, it was. It was terrible. It was like, <laughs> I—I I, I knew at the end of that deployment. That's why I said I was like, "I'm either getting out of the army,
0: yeah,
4: or I'm getting out of the commission. Like one of the two is happening. Um, you know, if I got to get out of the army, then I'm getting out of the army. I was still well under 10 years. So it was like, not a big deal. Yeah. Um, I just couldn't live, I could not live inside that box anymore. You know, coupled with my, my problem with authority on top of that, like mm-hmm. I just, I, like I could not do it.
0: So at some point though, you end up going to warrant officer, uh, but going the,
4: so while I'm at Belvoir, um, you know, I was there for a couple of years, you know, in in, in USASOC. And so I had a great time, got to do a lot of things, got to do a lot of things that I'd never had the you know, opportunity to do before. And so some friends of mine um, were in another organization up at, uh, up at Fort Meade that still ran inside the same circles and everything. And they were like, you can come up here and you can do, you know, these, 10 different things or you can stay there and do the one different thing. Like I was having a lot of fun, but I was like, man, there's, now I can go do nine more different things. Like, yeah, I want to go do that.
0: Um, like what schools did you already have? You, you already had so like, by that point, g- like I have been jump, to, Halo,
4: no, 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 so no, 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 I, know, I had not not Halo. Um, um, they, they're not going to, like, they're going to send the hotel <laughs> nerd to, uh, to, to Halo school. Um, so I had a lot of, by that point I had, um, one of, you know, a CI source op school. Um, so I had a lot of CI centric,
0: okay. uh,
4: training by the top but
0: secret I, level.
2: No,
4: yeah, no, I mean, you know, not, not like super super spook schools, but just like, you know, interviewing and investigating school in techniques, um, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff. And, uh, so, but I had not been to the CI case officer course, you know, yet. And so, moving up to Fort Meade would allow me to do that. I would abs- cause all those, uh, billets up there were case officer slots. And so I was like, absolutely. Like I want to do that, you know, cause that's just the next logical step in career progression for me. Yeah. And so I, you know, I put in a packet, you know, had to, it was, you know, a week long assessment selection, um, got hired and, uh, so I was there for a little over seven years, and that's where I went warrant. Okay. Um, was right in there. Um, I was a master sergeant by this time. Yeah. And, uh,
0: and, and is, was that more like a natural career progression, too, to go from like an E-8 to born?
4: No, no. It's not natural at so, all. So Most,
0: why did you end up doing that? Because I, I, that's what <laughs> I wanted to know. What, so what caused you to go that route? I didn't want to be a sergeant major. Oh, really? Why? Because I would have promoted
4: myself out of a job
0: um even sergeant major not csm just sergeant major just a regular sergeant Uh, major
4: yeah i would have the unit that i was in had one sergeant major billet and this guy had been in the billet for like seven years okay like so it was like you if i if i competed for sergeant major and i made it on that (coughs) off chance i would have had to leave and i would have had to go back out to big army to wherever the big army needed sergeant majors at and the last thing i ever wanted to be was a sergeant major in the big army
0: gotcha right and so (laughs) yeah at
4: that point it was like okay well i can either be you know a career master sergeant um or even i don't know if they had changed the rules then to where if you declined it declined to compete then that started the separation process or not i can't remember i I don't know if it was that time or not but warrant had kind of always been in my plans um but the timing had never been there for me you know, when I had the opportunity to you know go to Fort Belvoir, I couldn't go as a warrant. I had you know I had to be an NCO because that's what the billets were. So I was like, okay, well I'll just put off one warrant. You know, go here. And then the same thing we're like, okay, you can come to Fort Meade, but we need NCOs. We don't need warrants. So I was like, okay, I'll put it off and you know go do this. Um,
0: so do you have to go to like warrant officer candidate school that type of stuff? Yeah,
4: and- I went to went to Fort Rucker and got my uh, got my five weeks of uh, sanctioned army hazing. Um, oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh,
0: I've heard that's a lot of fun. Uh, as far as like, it's almost like another basic training all over again. With
4: it's, it's worse than basic training, um,
0: especially since you've already been in the army as long as you had.
4: Yes, yeah. right. So I showed up. I was a master sergeant. Um, I show up, and first off, people look at me and they're like, "Why are you here?"
0: Yeah, but do. Come on, well, are you Most of them are going to like flight school and stuff like that, right? Are yeah. you
4: assigned to the same? Yeah, you're all in the same class, yeah. right? So okay. the way they the way they break it up is so if you're in if you're a sergeant or above and you have attended um, PLDC, I don't know, I forget what they're calling it these yeah, days. what are they calling um, PLDC so I'm updating now? Updating myself.
1: Warrior um, leader, leader Course.
4: WLC, oh, yeah, yeah, leader, yeah, leader Course. WLC. Yeah. So if you're a sergeant or above with WLC, then you're in the five week class. If you're you know a high school to flight school guy, then you're in the seven week class. It two, like, weeks.
1: Okay. two weeks makes a big difference huh? right
4: <laughs> and so um, so you know so I show up and yep yeah, but you're in there with you know you're in there with everybody else and you know show up there was kind of like why are you here you know I was a master with 13 years in and they're just kind of like yeah really I was like dude I want to be a sergeant major and they're like alright let's go go get in the grass with everybody else um, now you guys are totally stripped at this point of your rank or anything
0: right because you yeah, 're just
4: now a candidate yeah you 're just a candidate, like you have you know, yeah yeah, <laughs> a candidate you know quick and back to zero a, again yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> candidate becomes a four letter word, okay, so uh, dumb really question, great. what happens to you if you fail? you just go back to your n c o rank and back out
0: oh okay know, your, yeah um, so they don 't they don 't drop you or anything man hmm. that like i i i don 't know for whatever reason I no that they might like No. okay you you, you go back to your n c o rank
4: and you go back out to yeah. know well, the, the, the army, the army. Yeah. yeah um so i was kind of fortunate where i was i was tdy in return you know so i knew exactly where i was going back to i wasn't even moving desk um you know
0: so you just had to get your ticket punch it i just had
4: to go down there and check that block and, and, yeah. and be done with it but candidate school was so much harder than basic training because the basic training like you're a private, you don't know shit. You're like, you know, when you're raking lines in the dirt, you're like, that's some Mr. Miyagi stuff. Like, I, I don't know what I'm gonna need this, but like, there's gonna come a time when I'm like, dude, I'm gonna, uh, like, I'm gonna save the world with this right here. By the time you make it, you know, you're a warrant officer candidate school, raking lines in the dirt, you're like, you're just wasting my time. This is nonsense. <laughs> like this has zero training value whatsoever.
0: Yeah. And so I'm sure they thought it was important, it, though.
4: Oh yeah, they think every, everything is yeah. important. You know, your dust cover's got to be 24 inches because you're just you're going to be a shitty one officer if it's not exactly 24 inches. Even though they're going to throw it in the hallway when you go to class anyway. Right. And so it it, 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 it it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um. So you go there for you know you do your five weeks there. Um. And just cooperate to graduate.
0: Now, do they pin W one on you right then? You don't have to go any type of additional training. Like? No.
4: So you you pin W one at the in the candidate school, okay, but now the army the army considers you you are a W one non branch qualified, even yeah.
0: though you had an assignment that you went there and you're going back to, right? So but you're, but they're you, not going to assign you to that.
4: Yeah, so for me they did because I was C D Y returned, but what they look at it as you're a warrant officer. You're when you showed up you're an NCO like that's gone. Yeah, right. So you're a warrant officer, but you are not you are not a branch qualified warrant officer. So I had to go to a Fort Huachuca for 12 weeks to get qualified.
0: Okay. So again, dumb question. Did you go there and you find that what you just did now as a warrant officer really wasn't at a senior level than what you already knew from your experience as a master sergeant? Oh, WBC? Yes.
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. WBC for us. Right. And I can only speak for me was a complete regurgitation of BNOC. Um, every project that we I did is, to be painful. for it, you. Be not, it was incredibly painful. And I'd yeah. already been, by this point, I'd already been to the CI case officer course. Um, and you know, everything that we did in B was the exact same thing that we did in WBC. And It was just like, when do we do the technical stuff? Um, they didn't appreciate that question. Yeah. Um, at when, all.
0: When do I learn something? I, I don't already know. Right.
4: You I, know, when yeah. do, when do I learn to be a, you know, a true technician? When do I learn the, the officership, right. You right. know, piece they don't, they don't teach that at all. So
0: that's something that you get once you get back to your unit.
4: That, well, that's what you're through supposed mentorship. to get yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Through, through mentorship. Because yeah. <laughs> you get back to your unit, and, you know, they're like, hey, welcome back. Uh, good job. Hey, your uh, uh, 1610, your TDY orders are on your desk. You leave next week. Nice. Yeah. You know, so... Um, and in between all of this, right? So all these things are changing, going on, and you know, schools like you know, you got deployments wrapped in there, yeah. You know, as well. So um, I kind of hit my I kind of hit my high water mark there. Um, and things got repetitive. The the op tempo was really, really, really taking a toll on the family. Um, so a really good friend of mine down at Fort Bragg uh, was. PCS in uh, to move out to Texas so he could take his retirement assignment because he's from Texas and you know people from Texas are like Texas like it's a, you know they got to go back to the Republic of Texas um, you know so they, they go we had a to, conversation about this last night <laughs> <a> <laughs> yeah so they could go back to the you know to to the homeland yeah. um, so he hit me up and he was like hey man you know do you want to come down and you know uh, go through assessment selection and see, you know you you want to replace me. Um, and so at the time, the way his position was, he didn't do a whole lot of TDYs. There was not a whole lot of, you know, away time. Um, and so, you know, Nicole and I talked it over and we were kind of done with DC traffic. We Mm. were done with DC cost of living.
0: Um, this whole thing of living inside the beltway, outside the belt. Donna, actually you did that. You ended up living up there. Yeah, I did. You actually enjoyed it though.
1: I did, but I lived closer to where I didn't live out. Where you would have to get in a vehicle and drive. So oh, nice, that, yeah. that that made it. I paid a little more, but I didn't have to drive.
4: Yeah. No, that's good. The uh it just sucks the it just sucks the life out of you. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, you need to go twenty miles away. That's two hours one way. Like it's that's like a California. two hour evolution
3: one way. Oh thank you. California is yeah. the same way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's like Well Atlanta sp- traffic's the same way, yeah. Right. So. Like you spend a quarter of your day in your car. Yeah. Right. My
4: commute now is 30 miles. I can do it in 30 minutes, you know, um, unless I get stuck behind a, you know, military vehicle um, (laughs) or something like that. But other than that, it's, like, it's fantastic.
3: It's just that it's, you know, everyone's always like, oh, Californians are always late to everything. It's like, because you you cannot be on time for anything. There's traffic. I mean, you have to plan two hours for a 30-mile drive, you know, and then even then you're not even sure if you're going to make it on time. So...
4: Yeah, it was crazy. And you can't pattern the D.C. traffic either. You know, it's not like, oh, well, it's a work day. It's, you know, right. 4.35 <laughs> o'clock. You know, yeah. traffic's going to be bad. Like, you can get on 95 going mm-hmm. south on a Saturday morning at 8 yep. o'clock, and it's a parking lot. Yep. And it's for no good reason. It's either volume or somebody's changing their tire on the side of the road. Yep. And everybody's got to stop and look. Or cause...
3: construction. Construction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah. Or, or or a cop has somebody pulled over, and everybody wants to slow down. It's like, dude, he's got somebody pulled over. He's not pulling you over. Yeah. Scoot on by. Yep. Um <laughs> And so at that point we were, you know, we were like, okay, let's, you know, let's make this, let's make this jump. Um, so you know, went down, uh, assessment selection again, um, you know, messed around, got hired. And, uh, so that's kind was of, was it what you around. thought it was
0: in terms of uh, not as much going on the road or no. Okay.
4: <laughs> Cause I, mm-hmm. so I, I, I get there and they kind of, rewrote the position description. Oh, nice. Um, It was like, (laughs) hey, so he did that because he was really good at that. And like he bought bought a skill set that I did not have to that. So they're like, okay, you're going to do this. So I brought a different skill set. And they're like, well, you fit easier in over here doing this that we need done. So you're going to do this. And uh, oh, by the way, you have a meeting in DC day after tomorrow. We need you there, right? Oh, so, was like, so you get
0: to go right back. So
4: I get to go right back. Um, so had, that was he had uh,
1: a TDY skill set. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
4: exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, there was some years you know up before me, like there were years there, like I averaged um, anywhere between 160 to like 220 something days on the road a year. Um, and that, man, that's a that's a lot. Yeah. Um,
0: and so. Uh, now this is on top of deployments
4: if you had a deployment yeah that was on that was on top of deployment yeah. um hopefully you know, your deployment kind of you know fell over you know crisscross two years two calendar years um where you kind of mitigate some of that'cause they were it, it was kind of at the point where they 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 still kind of cared about Purse tempo, but they didn't care yeah um and so But, you know, the story there was we were shorthanded. We were only like 20 guys, you know, supporting an incredibly large community, um, you know, both in the States and overseas. So, you know, it was, if I don't go, somebody's going to. Mm -hmm. Um, So, no, so I got, you know, I got down to Bragg and they were like, okay, you fit in easy over here with your skill set. We're going to have you do this. And so it was like back on that TDY train and then, you know, deployments where they're what deployments. So what I sold to the coal was absolutely not what happened in reality. Right. So, yes. So you're
0: betting a thousand about right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
4: So, you know, I, I am, things are not, things are not going well. Um, and so I did a rotation came back for four months and then had to do another rotation. and really, that was, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. That was the, okay. Like I'm, all right, like it's time. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm done.
0: And that was recently.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So, because we're
0: talking like months ago. Yeah. So, um, now when you look back at all this, what would you have done differently?
2: You know, I don't. Being a mechanic. What's that? Being a mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not going <quite into> through intelligence. <laughs> um, I. <laughs>
4: It's hard to say, I, you know, I, I, I don't like to look back and say, I should have done this or I should have done that because what I did has it's made me who I am today and it's put me where I am today. And, you know, the way I look at it, like I am blessed beyond words. I am blessed beyond measure. Um, you know, I have an amazing wife. I have three amazing daughters, um, you know, who every day, like, you know, with them, it, like, it, it is truly a blessing. And so if I was to go back and like, oh, I would have done that different, maybe that would have set me on a different path that would have not turned out so well, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard for me to say, I wouldn't have done this or I wouldn't have done that. I would say if I had, if I had to choose one, I think at a certain point, I would have stopped choosing the army over my family. Mm. Um, because I know there was absolutely times to where I was like, man, you know, Nicole's having, you know, the girls have, are having a really hard time in school or, you know, this is going on or, you know, that, but they need me to go TDY because they're short of body. And I would be like, Maybe I got to go. Like, you know, they told me I got to go, um, you know, when in reality, that probably wasn't the case.
0: Um, How many years actually did you end up spending?
4: So... In two weeks, when I get my blue ID card, I will have 22 years, three months, and 17 days. Yeah. Not 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 four hours. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I don't know that I would do. I I, I would have done anything different. Um, You know, it's like you know, it's like looking back. It's like, man, I wish I would have bought Apple stock. You know, 15 years. ago. Well, well, you didn't, and so here you are. So, you know, your windshield's bigger than your rearview mirror for a reason.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, I think we talked about that a little bit uh, yesterday, Paul and I, because we were talking about how every decision that you make through life ends up causing something later on. So, you know, if you make a decision right or wrong, you're now on a trajectory or a path and each decision from that takes you to a different one. And if you do start looking back, then you start saying, "Okay, well, maybe if I'd have done this, it would have been kind of cool or I could have done and then somebody slaps you back to reality and goes, yeah, but look where we might have been today had that happened right. because that trajectory would have taken you in a totally different direction and we might've been at a very different place or you might not have even been here right now.
4: Yeah, no, I, I you know, yeah. I, absolutely. Um, and it, again, like, you know, I, I will say the last probably out of all, you know, out of all my deployments, um, you know, I I have been again, I've been blessed, man. I you know, I've been to Central South America, I've you know, I deployed to Africa, um, you know, to Europe, to the Middle East. Um, I have gotten to see, you know, a lot of the world. Um and uh but you know, out of all of that, I would say the hardest thing that I have done in the army is transition. That has been really? that has been the hardest thing. All the schools, all the tra all the deployments, you know, Six months in. But you, in you, you effort, made the like,
0: decision to do this, though. So No, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You knew it was coming. When, when did you make the decision better yet? So was it three or four months ago? Or no. So
4: I made the decision when I was still deployed. And they say never make a career decision while you're deployed. Yeah. It's generally a bad idea. Um, I went ahead and I did that again. You know, I, I, I did it again because I'm me. Um, and when you tell me not to do something, I'm probably just going to go do it. Yeah. Um but I knew during that deployment, um, the kids, we moved them out of Maryland, and they had been there for so long. Like, my oldest daughter went through the same elementary school, right? So she's got that core group of friends. Um, you know, my youngest daughters are there. Like, everybody in the school knows all three of them. Um, you know, they're straight-A students and everything. But we just kind of ripped them out of there and Mm. brought them down to North Carolina where they don't know anybody. And at that age, it was really hard. So that transition was incredibly difficult for them. So Nicole was, she was having a hard time, um, you know, doing that. And here I am off, you know, jotting around, you know, the country and the globe. Um, And so, you know, she's, she's back, you know, she's a little Dutch boy with her fingers in the dam. And, you know, I finally looked back and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And so during that deployment, I made the decision. I was like, when I get back, I'm, I'm dropping my notice and retiring. Um, you know, it, yes, I asked for it. Yes, I said, I'm retiring. I knew it was coming, but I did not think it would be as difficult as it has been. Hmm. And what is, what is it that you find so difficult about it? Is it a specific
5: thing or is it kind of
4: everything? Th- I think it's a little bit of everything, right? You know, so like the military, you know, basic training is like, okay, we're taking your identity away from you. We're giving you a new identity. And you know, as hard as people trying to fight it. you know, it's hard that like that is you like, that is, it's not all of you. Right. Because there is life after the military, there's life after all of this, you know, but like, that is that, that shaped you for the rest of it, for sure.
2: You know, um, how old so, was you when you joined up? What's that? How old was you when you joined? I up? was twenty. So you've been in service longer than you'd been alive before you joined.
4: Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I've been in the, so I've been the majority in of your yeah. life has
2: been spent <clears throat> in the military, and I think that's why people find it so difficult to to get out and be able to transition out into something they don't understand because your your life has existed within that military bubble, and then you've got to go out and totally find who you are, redefine yourself, and. and what's what's after your life what's for your life after this line
3: I I equate it a little bit to prison again where (laughs) you know every day you know what you're doing every day you know what you're you're wearing you know your job you know that you know from one hour to the next hour your life is kind of already planned out for the most part and then and we're all wanting that freedom we're all looking for that freedom like oh I only have to do so many more years and then I'll be free I'll be free and then you're free and it's like the doors close behind you and it's you're in this big world (laughs) without the routine (laughs) and, you know, everything that you've known your entire adult Mm -hmm. life. And, you know, if, if, even when you do prepare for it, and even when you do have things set up, you're just, it's not, it's a different mentality. Now you're, you know, having to integrate in, in, you know, civilian life who people don't really understand you. So there's a big element I think of loneliness that comes with it. And especially if you move away from, you know, the people that you know, or the, the geography that you know, too, you know, now you're you're trying to go back to this normal, you don't even know what normal is anymore, because normal before was when you were in high school. <laughs> so yeah, it's, exactly. It is completely different. Everyone's different. Everyone's grown and, and moved on. And, you know, you're in your mind, if you go back to your home, it's, it's supposed to be the same way it was when you were 18. And then it's not. So it's, yeah, I mean, I think no matter how much you try to prepare yourself, you're not really prepared, and
0: it's... It's funny, we spend so much time talking about with our own short-timers attitude, okay? So, like, you know, hey, I'm 12 months out, guys. You know, the month's 22 days, and we do that for a whole year. Yeah. But we're not planning for it. Yeah. No. Well, it's interesting, because you said you, you
1: know, the whole thing about not making a decision while you're deployed, and I can, you know, not only did I make that decision deployed, I, I submitted the retirement paperwork deployed nice and and i had a guy that i knew for a while and we talked about you know when are you going to be done and when it, and he just said he had told me he's like one day you're going to know you're done
5: mm-hmm.
1: and that day is, could come next week it could come next year but you're going to wake up and you're going to be done and i wasn't i didn't make it off a angry decision i didn't make it off of it just was you know what? I'm
0: tired of this. Yep.
1: And I was going to do something. It's like Forrest Gump
0: running down the road. I mean, yeah. it was.
1: I wasn't. I wasn't. It wasn't a hastily decision as far as somebody said something or something happened and I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. I just was like, I'm at a point and with a rank in this, and you know what? I just don't want to do this anymore. So
4: I did really, you know, one of my really good NCOs early on, <coughs> you know. I, the same thing. It was like, you know, when do you know when is when? It was like, you'll know everybody's different. You'll just know. Yeah. And he he gave me three criteria that he used. He was like, when one of these criteria is met, I'll know it's time. And it was, you know, it negatively impacts my family. I'm not having fun anymore, and I'm not value added. And so he was like, you know, no order of precedence. Just but when one of those is one of those trip wires is tripped. That's it, that's when you know you're right. done. And so like I, I carried that with me and on that deployment, like two out of those three were tripped and I was like, it's, it's Tom. Right. Yeah. That's um, really good advice that you point. don't like set it
0: on one principle that you actually used a multiple you know, set there that all three of them, when in your case you did two out of three, but I mean, you, know, you, you at least set something up where it's not, well, if this happens, because you may actually set something that probably will happen because yeah. you want it to happen you know what i mean yep. so um but that was good and and i think we all made the decisions in that way i want to jump though to like i notice a lot of this stuff because uh, i follow you on different accounts within social media Uh-oh. um and, and i know that you like really get into we're not Can gonna you get explain into po- this ford <laughs> we're not gonna, we're not gonna get on the politics side of this but but the cybersecurity is something that i know that you have a lot of knowledge on as well. And, um, you know, Scott jokes with me all the time that I wear a tin hat and, you know, cause I'm concerned about, uh, Siri and, and all these other crazy things listening in, but this, this is kind of what I think you kind of do in within your real day job in that <coughs> you use different devices in different ways in order to spy or listen in or so anyway, kind of help me with that and what your thoughts are on some of the latest technologies and how we have to prepare for what's happening. Because as I understand it, and I know I'm asking a lot, but as I understand it, we're, we're growing so fast now in terms of technology. It's, it's getting a little scary. Um, uh, or good. Rob, are you really trying to ask if you should switch back to a
5: flip phone? Like <laughs> like yes, a really burner nasty. phone. Are you yes. going get you yes. a, like cri- a, 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 a cricket phone? <laughs> yeah. Um,
4: so, so, yeah, so like, so... <clears throat> When when I use electronics, it's not for like we don't use it to spy. Like we are looking for you know we are looking for devices that somebody has implanted to where they are trying to spy on you. We're trying to find those right. So it's not necessarily for for, for me to me to spy or anything. Um, and so like cybersecurity, the the cyber piece of the counterintelligence field is like it's one small part of what we do, um, but the technology is there is scary, um, you know, part of... Um, See,
0: Scott, it's scary.
4: So, like, so, you know, part of that, it, it, the, the biggest thing is, you know, to educate yourself on what's out there and what, you know, the capabilities are. Um, and so I will say, so you got to figure out how to, how to put this, because there's a lot to unpack here, um, you know, from the, from the cyber side, like, so starting a company on the side, Right And one of the things that we're to do is consult to individuals you know trying to push into the private sector, get out of the government sector, um, but you know consult like look at people so like let's take your house, for instance, um, you know everything is Wi-Fi now, um, you know your refrigerators, right your, your refrigerators thermostat have wi-fi your thermostat is Wi-Fi, yeah my your,
0: pool. you know if you have a pool, pool you, pump, know, you can set it up, so yeah, you, right. You, right
4: your pool pump is Wi-Fi, your sprinkler system yep, yep. that you put in your yard.
0: They have them now
4: to where you can set that up on your Wi-Fi, your ring doorbell. Yes. You know, so your ring doorbell, all of that stuff is tied back into your router, Mm -hmm. right, for your house. And what else is tied into that router? What else connects to that router? Yep. All of your electronic devices. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know your phones, your iPads, your MacBooks, your whatever you have, right? Your Xboxes, your PlayStations. So all that stuff ties back into that. And so when you buy something that has a you know that has Wi-Fi capability, like you're increasing your you're, you're increasing your attack point footprint. Right. So there's multiple ways now that somebody could get into your your house and they could I mean, they, you know, they can shut your
0: refrigerator off. They can shut your thermostat. Well, they they can do say, everything. Well, I was going to say, though, let me play the devil's advocate, because I can see Scott already kind of lightening up of that. I, I, so I, 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 so it's like, OK, you can cut my refrigerator off, you can cut my pole off or you can stop my water sprinkler from working. So who cares? What's the big deal? You know what? <laughs> I can also decide, you know, I can disable your alarm system
4: if you have one. Um, and it's on Wi-Fi.
2: There was a case right. in the UK recently, uh, quite close to where I live, that somebody hacked into the Ring doorbell mm-hmm. and was watching um, the routine of the family, yep. what time the kids went to school, what time the kids come home, what time the husband went to work uh, and the wife didn't work. And then there was the ability, there's a microphone and a speaker built into it, isn't there? So yep. you can you know, explain to someone. So he was then transmitting to the wife when she was on her, on, her, on her home, threatening her, basically trying to blackmail her to say, if you don't pay X amount of money, I'm going to take your children and, and because I know they finish school at this time.
0: Dude, there's a movie on this. I can't remember the name of it. It's an older movie. Um, I, I don't remember how many years ago it was, and I can't remember the name of it. Um, but at any rate, um, there's a guy who created an application. Everything in his house is wired, like, like you're talking about, right? And so this guy that he hired in, he wants to manipulate not only this, this system, but he wants to manipulate the guy. So he ends up because he's got a daughter. He's a—it's a perfect attack operation, you know. He gets to befriending her and and all of that kind of stuff, and now he can tap into the home systems, the home cameras, you know, and everything else, and and basically raid this guy's life and start ruining it, and hold him for ransom mm. for I these th- very purposes.
2: I think the key for me is you've got to put your trust in those companies with people like Josh. Oh, who- and you do that? Yeah. <laughs> why would you not? Okay. Why, why would you not why trust would you me? Not put <laughs> your, Josh, as, a, as a society, why would you not put your trust in corporations and businesses with that are putting out technology? Scott, that's, a that's a whole other podcast. So it we is, can getting, but, but that's personally, and, and you know, that's well, my opinion. What, and, and what option do you have, right? Exactly. I mean, otherwise you, you live you, you live in the mountains, you know, with with a, a wind turbine for your power, right? So, and tinfoil hats.
0: So, so. Josh, should we trust the companies that are...
2: You should trust my company, right? You should hire my company to trust <laughs> we, my company. We should all right? employ Josh. Oh, sh- shameless, shameless plug. <laughs> um,
4: so you know, you've increased... You know, so all these things are Wi-Fi, right? Yeah. So now let's talk about your car. Ooh,
0: yes, yeah. let's talk right? about the car. So let's talk about your car. Talk, talk about how you can get into the, uh, the tires and everything. So.
4: All right. So it, there, there's a video on YouTube to where there's a Prius, and they hacked a Prius... A remote controlled it, you know, from across a parking lot. Yeah. So, you know, your, your tires tell you that your, you know, your left front tire is low. How does it do that? It's sending a signal right. to your engine, to your vehicle. Hey, I'm low. You know, cars are now coming with hotspots. Yes. Wi-Fi hotspots. Yeah.
0: Anything well, that's that very cool because now I can use my phone and everything while my kids are in the car <laughs> and the whole bit, right? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So,
4: what, you know, again, if it emanates a signal then it can be exploited right and so we just keep increasing that those, those attack points right we keep increasing that footprint to where you know it's it's great it makes it convenient everybody like everybody wants a seamless experience with whatever they're doing um, and you can get even get into facial recognition and the biometrics piece you know hotels are going to facial recognition by the point you make it to the desk you know they
0: already know who you are
4: hello mr robert yeah. Welcome back. So, right? so
0: in the tire situation, why isn't I can't attack through your tire into your engine, shut your brakes off, and disable your car?
2: Yeah, you can absolutely do that. You yeah. can do whatever you so want to do. Just so the we're car. clear. Yeah, but the issue is 99% <laughs> of the population can't do that.
0: But you trust the manufacturer of that automobile yeah. that that will never and occur. Th- that they've got what firewalls
2: and built in security to, to prevent that. To
1: huh? What are you doing that somebody might want to do this to you?
4: Maybe your spouse wants to collect on that insurance policy. Oh. You know
1: what?
3: You shouldn't have married that I don't
4: spouse. Know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe it could, it could be anything. Maybe it's Wait, not so the something. the spouse
3: can hire your company to
4: do it? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, maybe it's you know, maybe it's something <gasps> else. Maybe they don't maybe they don't want to hurt you. Maybe it's a kidnapping for ransom. Um situation right so you're you're in that vehicle and you're overseas somewhere and there's some you know just a regular criminal element that wants to kidnap you for ransom because you're someone of some notoriety who may have or family may have access to funds i think we're, um,
5: we're thinking a little bit too small here because what happens when you shut down every single prius in l.a
4: yeah
5: what happens when you shut, when down, you all you all shut down every prius well, well, you shut down all your teslas every single smart fridge you've got to do you're it at, at 6 a.m so yeah. nobody can yeah. go in. i anymore. mean that's how that's where At it's a going. Point. Yeah. If every single home, home mm-hmm. has a smart fridge and that is vulnerable to attack, and you shut down a million of them,
2: yeah. that's the whole point of cybersecurity specialists, mm-hmm. and that's right. what they're trying and to prevent you. Yeah. And so, that's, it, so, what's interesting about
0: this is everybody probably had this happen. I guess it was um, what was it about a year and a half ago? I'm sitting with a client and in, in my office of this client's facility and stuff and there's two guys and I'm doing this whole discussion and we're planning about how we're going to talk to, you know, a leadership team about something specific. And all of a sudden the phone goes off and I go, what the heck is that? And they go, it's the president, the test message, you know, it just worked. And so I, these, one of the guys sitting there is former military Mm -hmm. and we both look at each other wide eyed and I go, you do know what that means, right? If you can actually send a message to every cell phone in America, by the president. That means anybody has the opportunity now to do the exact same thing. Well not anybody, right?
5: but a determined individual. Huh? Not anybody. But somebody, somebody anybody with determined. the capability, right? Yeah. So they have to capability, have the right. capability, right? So right.
2: capability, motivation. And right, yeah, justification and, and, and intent, the intent and, to yeah, do I mean, it, a want to do that, right? Yeah, for sure. Because you, you've got guys like yourself who've got the capability, but you haven't got the. Ooh, I would not go that far. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, so much more than a slot on the side of the table. Yeah,
4: no. So I'm still, I'm still an analog dude in a digital world myself, right? <laughs> so I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to get smart, smarter on it, um, you know. And so, but. There's there, there's so much out there. All of our information's about there, right? So you go back to the to the OPM data breach, um, right? Think about what was in you know that paperwork for your security clearance. Um, not just your information, but your you know your immediate family members. Like all their information was in there. Um, uh,
5: real quick for those who are listening and don't know what OPM is. That's Office of Personnel Management. So that's the entity that does all your background checks. So they check your family, all your known acquaintances. If you join the military at 18 and go become a ranger or something, that's everybody. So that's where your, your military, your military record is at
0: period. Yes. Also. Yeah. That. Yeah.
4: So it's like not, not just you, but everybody, you yeah. know, yeah. that's been breached. So, you know, that information coupled out there. Now I know where you live. Okay. So now, now I can pinpoint that. Okay. You I You can there. find
0: that on Google though. Probably, if you did enough search nowadays, well, it, it depends, like- right?
4: So, I take that OPM information. I'm looking at where does that person work, right? That okay, they work at a facility or you know a place that has information that I want, right? So I'm going to go target that person, right? Yeah. Um, you know, now I, you know I find your house on one two three Main Street, and okay, now there's all these attack points that I have because you got that cool sprinkler system, <laughs> yeah. You know, stuff that you control from your you know your smartphone,
0: and then I come into your car,
4: and then Robert's sitting in your car in your garage when you walk out in the morning. <laughs> Super weird.
0: But I'm okay because I've got the tinfoil hat, so I'm good. (laughs) So, uh, Josh, I really appreciate you coming on the show, man, and and talking um, about your whole situation. I think there's much to be learned because I don't think we've ever had anybody that's counterintelligence. You know, we have a lot of people that come from very different backgrounds. And the fact that you came from, you know, the special operations community in a different MOS, I think it sheds a new light on, you know, a different field other than combat arms, you know, infantry, you know, and those types of things that people typically associate with special operations forces. And there's so many different MOSs that actually could be tied to special operations in your classic example of that.
4: Yeah, for sure. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, and it just take like, you know, a couple seconds to, you know, to, to, to plug this uh, real quick. So, like, so you're absolutely right, you know what we me and a couple guys were writing a book um and that book is basically just a a collection of short stories um and it's from you know just support guys and it's our stories um you know 2.7 million americans have served in iraq and afghanistan and everybody's story needs to be told you know um growing up my sister had a project she interviewed my grandmother who sewed parachutes together you know in a during World War Two, and I was just, uh, you know, those stories, and you know, it, it was it was it was absolutely amazing to sit there and listen to those, right? So it wasn't, you know, D-Day assaulting Omaha Beach or anything like that, but it was a story of, you know, somebody who was involved. And so, you know, we're gonna we're putting together this compilation, um, and uh, you know, everybody has a story, and everybody needs to needs to tell their story, um, regardless of, of what they did. Uh, or, or where they did it at. So.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Actually, that's the reason why we did the whole podcast, because we really believe that. We believe that you know, what you share and the knowledge like this episode here that you ended up you know, talking about your background and everything else, there's something somebody can take away from it. And even if it's one person, two people or whatever, they get something out of it, um, then there's an opportunity there that they could make a career choice change they may not head down the same path you did because you put them on a different trajectory and they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to make that decision. Josh didn't do it. So maybe, (laughs) (laughs) maybe I'll end up like Josh or Hey, maybe I don't want to end up like Josh or whatever the situation may be. So I can totally see that. Um, I wish you much success with your book. Um, when can we expect that by the way?
4: Um, so right now we're shooting for uh, a release date of about 20 April. Um, we'll have a pre-order, uh, you know, this year before then. Yeah. Yeah, this year you're full
0: of all kinds of secrets you haven't shared with me. I've
4: I've got a lot. I've got a lot of irons in the fire. There may be a. uh, There may be a podcast coming out too. No, really, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So good deal.
0: All right. Well, I look forward to following you and hearing more about it and everything else. So um, again, appreciate you coming on the show.
4: All right. Thanks for having me.